Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Just going to do a rolling start. Right. Um, everybody, this is episode 90, Galen Trombley Show, returning guest, Jonah Curtin. Um, as with all returning guests, they're actually more fun because we don't have any topics. We don't get to do background. We just get to roll right with the punches. So um, just talk talk to us about your scooter. <laughs> <laughs> well, the scooter is the only means that I have to get around other than the RV that I own now. And so... I had to drive it to work on Tuesday last week when it was like 31 cold. degrees out in the morning. Yeah. And I hadn't bought gloves yet. And so I was very unprepared. And so that day I went and bought gloves and sweatpants and like, long johns. It's like dumb and dumber driving to Aspen. <laughs> it sucks, man, when it's cold. I so, need to get out of here. So where did you get the... Did you actually bought an RV mm-hmm. recently? Yeah, yeah. I bought one so, in late September. No, uh, late August. This is September. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bought it in Florida. So you living in it? Mm-hmm. Full time. Really? When I, so, so rewind everything. When I came back from Columbia, I, I got it, I lived at my dad's camp in Westport. And then I didn't want to settle down here because I hate the cold weather. But I didn't want to go back to Texas. I, didn't, I don't really know what I want to do. And I can train online. And that's been going fairly well. I have enough clients to pay the bills. And so I bought an RV instead of settling down. And I'm just going to go kind of tour around the country, meet people for my podcast. Mm-hmm. And... Just see what I can get into, basically around the whole world. So when when are you planning on doing that? I leave October 11th. Oh, so this is plan. This is like you do oh, update. Yeah. yeah, it's gone. Once October 10th is my last day at Bluff Point because I've been helping out there all summer. Um, and so I told him October 10th I'm leaving. Kind of wish it was earlier because at night right now it is getting a little chilly. Uh, but yeah, October 11th I'm I'm gonna be out of here. So just so everybody knows, if you're like who who Jonah is, he was you were on almost a year ago. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. a year ago, which October. is crazy yeah. to think about. I went through the, I was going through something for photos, and you popped up. I'm like, there's no way Jonah was almost a year ago. That's when I came home. Yeah, yeah. So um, you came from Texas. You went and tried to do, and we'll we'll talk about this in a sec. Just so background, he was the guy that went and wanted to travel the world, and then COVID hit. Now he's back here. A little change in plans, but not really. So we're still traveling. Mm-hmm. So where are we going? Where's our first stop? Well, the original plan was to go to Arizona and live out in the West and Southwest because I like I like that part of the country. Um, I think I can get work out there. But then with the hurricane down in Pensacola and me living down there and have connections, I might go down there for a little bit and help clean up, either volunteer or go get a job construction or something like that, as long as I can do my own thing on the side and have enough time. But I'd like to go down to Florida and help help people down there, I think, while I have the opportunity. They, they said that the hurricanes right now are into the Greek alphabet, which mm-hmm. has only happened in 2005. It's nuts. Which is just, and I, I guess that's this the sheer number, so that's yeah. what, 27 now? Uh-huh. Um, which I didn't even know it went to a Greek alphabet. And Well, it, that one year, and I didn't pay attention, obviously. So. No, 2005, we were young, yeah. or younger. But So you're going around traveling in this RV, potentially, and from the last time we saw you, um, actually, before we jump into that, let's go back. I want to hear about your trip for how many months? Kind of tell us what it was like. I mean, we, we talked once during COVID mm-hmm. when you were still down in, I think, no man's land, stuck somewhere in <laughs> South America. So. Um, so I left January 3rd, 
uh, took a one-way flight that was supposed to go to the very southern tip of Chile, down to the southern tip of the continent, and I landed in Peru, messed up with my Spanish, so I missed my connecting flight first thing first, and landed in Santiago about four hours later than I was supposed to in Chile, never caught that flight down to Punta Arenas, Chile, which is down near... I mean, that's how you get to, like, to the Arctic Circle down through the it's south. It's like a tip-tip, like way down. So far south, almost the southern, most southern part in the continent. It's, it's cold down there. Super cold. Yeah. Well, in the summertime, you'll get like maybe 50, 40, yeah. 60. But I had a friend down there who does glacier tours on kayaks, and he goes all through them. So I was really looking forward to that. I never made it. Landed in Santiago. Uh, decided to get a hostel there and start my journey there. Um, first night I landed, lost my phone, lost everything. I left it all in a cab. Luckily, I had the nicest cab driver, I guess, in South America. Because he came back three hours later and just dropped everything off. And, I mean, those three hours were so stressful in my life. Like, no idea how to really speak Spanish. No idea how to contact anybody. Everything's missing. It was just, like, a little bit of tears were happening. Because it was overwhelmed. Well, I mean, dumb question. But, like, where you were was obviously, like... I still have the idea of like you're in another city, mm-hmm. in another country. It's just like a third world country, but it's not like you obviously had stores. Like you could oh, have went and bought sure. an iPhone or something. Well, that's I had to walk. I found out where the Apple store was in Santiago, Chile. Is like it's an American city that just speaks Spanish. I mean, it's huge. I think there's like seven million people. I could be way oh, off. Oh wow! But okay. Yeah, it's a huge city. Very modern, very high tech. Um, anything that you would see in American city is going to be there. Except everyone just speaks Spanish. And so I'm there and I go down to the Mac store and I get a phone. Luckily, I meet the one girl, I guess, who works in that day and speaks English and she gets me all set up and I get back. I'm like walking back through Santiago at 10 o'clock at night. First night, I'm like, dude, this is, I have no idea. I think I'm going to get mugged. I'm super scared the whole time. And I get back and I'm like, hey, your phone's here. And the guys that work at the hostel. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm so happy. So, so happy. I mean. <laughs> elated and got that and that was like the only really rough time in my whole travel like that was it the first day after that i was like this phone is not gonna leave my side anywhere <laughs> i go it learned the lesson very quickly so but everybody was chill and pretty like super nice like language barrier was okay uh so i studied spanish for six months before i left on my own i didn't really speak it with anybody. and i thought i was like i got down there I'm like, oh i can speak spanish and the first person i talked to I had no idea what they were speaking, and it, it was so d- difficult. Um, but within a month, my Spanish, I could get by. I could order food. I could talk to people, carry on a very simple conversation. Uh, more so, understanding is what's hard, because everyone has a different dialect in every country. Chilean Spanish, I found out, is by far some of the hardest Spanish to learn in the world, just because they drop certain words, they, they conjugate things differently. And even native Spanish speakers say, don't try to speak Chilean Spanish, well, while learning Spanish, at least. And so... It was difficult at first, and still now, if somebody doesn't want me to understand something, they could easily say it fast enough where I don't understand. Uh, but I can I can get by, I think, in any Spanish-speaking country now. Have you kept it up a little bit? Complete, I do classes every Monday. I did it this oh, morning. Wow. Yeah, and then I use Duolingo and Babbel on my phone for an hour every morning. Speaking Spanish, I want to be fluent by the end of this year, and then I want, wow. to, move, I want to move on to like Portuguese and French and uh, Italian, wow, cool. all these. I love Did you take like French and stuff in high school? I took French. Did but, you? Like, I don't remember if you... Took it or not? I mean, I took it. Did I learn anything? I know. I sat through the class. <laughs> yeah, I was there. And so, uh, and the Parisian French that we were taught is so different than the French they speak in Montreal. And the, from what I've learned is people in Paris don't even think the people in Montreal speak French. They speak their own little weird thing that they have. 
And so what we learned in school is, I think, almost I useless. Think it was, yeah, it was friend. I, I mean, I'm the same. I've gone to Montreal, I don't know, hundreds of times. So it's mm-hmm. just more of you just pick, you pick up signs. I can't speak it. I can read exactly. enough to get by. Yes. Like I know where stores are and what, what the crosswalk, all the, the signs mm-hmm. stay. But um, so you went from, you went down to um, Chile and then you went to where from there? I took a, a bus through the Andes from Santiago. Well, I went to Santiago and then Valparaiso, which is a little city out on the coast. Super pretty, um, colorful houses all up, coming right out of the ocean, all the way up this big mountain, kind of on a on a bay. So it's it's, it's a really pretty city. Um, kind of like Santorini. Is it Santorini? You know about Santorini, uh, like the Amalfi Coast in yeah. Italy and stuff. Kind of looks like that, except not as like a upscale European vibe, more of a down fisherman town kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but super pretty, graffiti everywhere. Um, I stayed with a lady who was a friend of a client of mine in Dallas. And that's how this whole thing got started. He was like, you need to go to Chile. You need to go to South America. And he put that in my brain early last year. And so I took the advantage and he called up all his friends in Chile and told him, hey, my friend's coming down. And so I stayed gotcha. with her in Valparaiso. And she showed me around. I got my first taste of the, taste of the riots that were going on in Chile. Um, like smoke. We were eating in a restaurant one night and smoke was coming in. Just like government stuff, protests? Or? Yeah. So down there, I mean, South America as a whole continent, has had a history of violence, history of riots, history of corrupt governments. Um, and in Chile right now, there's a huge disparity between the wealthy and the poor. I mean, as in most countries, I think, right now. Uh, but the young people in Chile are the ones who are most motivated. And so the last straw that broke the camel's back, per se, was they raised the, the prices on the, the metro. And the poor people were like, this is it. And they just went crazy. I mean, I was sitting in a park with a girl, and all of a sudden, we, like my my eyes start watering, my nose starts running, and tear, tear gas, gas is just coming down. And these people, the shields, the police are coming down and yelling at people. And she's like, "We need to get the fuck out of here now." That's crazy. And it was it was surreal. But and then one of the signs I've seen all over posted it was like, "We're not from the left, we're not from the right, we're from the bottom, and we're coming for the top." And it was like very makes me feel a certain type of way because it's kind of scary thinking like that. But yep. they were super serious. They were bombing the metro stations, and so. I liked it because I got to learn a lot about the culture of Chile and, and the real history, I believe. Uh, there, there was a place in Santiago where they would take all these people who were against the government and torture them and people would never see them. And on the street they have, it's, a, it's bricks all laid out with the names and it's, it goes on for hundreds and hundreds of feet of dead people who were kidnapped by the government at one point. And this is, um, wait, is this Chile? Mm-hmm. Okay, still Chile. Okay. Still Chile. So I hop on the bus from Santiago, go through the Andes over to Mendoza in Argentina. Uh, super pretty winery town. If you look at any of your Malbecs that come, that you were drinking, good chance they come from uh, Mendoza, Argentina. Malbecs are good too. That's my, that's, I loved it. Yeah, got Malbecs to go to the good. wineries, man. You have the Andes sitting in the background. And you're in this winery drinking delicious wine, right out of the cork. Like such a cool experience. Uh, I brought a Chilean girl came with me, and it just like, if you want to go on a date night, it's like the perfect place in the world. It was amazing. I, I recommend it. Highly recommend it. For was that everybody. on the coast or no? No, right in the middle of the country. Okay. Super hot when I went. I was in there in the middle of their summer, so January, February area. I wouldn't recommend that. But in the summer, yeah. Other than that, just cool little town. So, so what a is it, is it all Malbecs? So they they do other grapes there. They do. Oh, uh, the ones that I was, mm-hmm. they had Malbec and the, a Cab. Cabs are popular too, but Chile, I guess, is the Argentina is a real Malbec. Like, yeah, exactly. That's where like it's yeah. really specialized in. And they kind of like, I was like, I like cabs. They're like, oh, no, no, no. They kind of scoff at that because Chile's known for the cabs. Argentina's oh, okay. known for the Malbecs. Yeah. That's the thing. I think when you go, like, 
obviously you said you're going to go and eat and try a bunch mm-hmm. of different stuff, but did you pr- pretty much go in and say what to order? Like, it, it just like, give me, like I was hanging out with people, like tell me what I should get, tell me what I should drink, tell me what foods go yeah. with what booze down here. Because you're not picky at all, right? Food no, wise? I love it yeah. all, everything. I don't like mushrooms. That's the only thing I won't eat. Really? Yeah, for whatever reason. I love mushrooms. I think the texture. Like, really? Like a steak or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I don't like tomatoes. I'm not a tomato guy. Mm. But mushrooms, you give me... Not raw mushrooms, but you give me like a cooked mushroom on something or sauteed mm-hmm. mushrooms. Oh, yeah. See, the tomato thing is funny because I don't like tomatoes here. But down in the South, I was eating tomatoes like they were apples. They Wait, t- in Texas? No, no, no. In South America. Really? They tasted completely different and because I, I don't like tomatoes here at all. I think they taste like dirty water. Yeah, and, yeah. And down there, it was like I could just bite into one and they were juicy and full of flavor. That's crazy. It was very strange. Tomatoes, like out of 30 years of life, it's like the one... Like I hated uh, olives for the longest time. I love olives now. I'm same. I love olives, and I, I couldn't eat them when I was a kid. And now it's like, I mean, even up to like five, six years ago, I hated. Mm-hmm. It. I remember I had a, and this is probably years ago. I had a um, ex girlfriend at the time, but or now, but she, um, they loved olives. I'm like, you guys are nuts. Like I'm not eating that crap. And then I love it now, but uh, tomatoes still have not made that list. Uh, I don't. I don't if they're like on like a sandwich. I'll eat them with the stuff because, but it, yeah. Um, so. Okay, Argentina, Malbec's, mm-hmm. uh, Santiago. Yep, and then after Mendoza, we went to Buenos Aires, which was just a cool city. Like, it's so there's very heavy European uh, influence in Buenos Aires. I mean, really in a lot of South America because the Europeans came over at one point and I mean started the was it the Portuguese at or the uh, Spanish Portuguese in Spain and I mean big. Portuguese in Brazil and the the Spanish came over in Argentina. Gotcha. And so. Um, the, the buildings look like old school European buildings. Uh, the streets are very small, tightly knit. And Buenos Aires is a huge city. Every time I'd fly into these cities, it would be almost overwhelming because you fly in and the cities there, they don't really go up as much as they go out. And so you're flying in and you just see these mountains and you see these cities that just spread out forever and ever. And you're like, oh, this is crazy where I'm going. And it is, Buenos Aires is a poor city. Argentina is a poor country. I mean, we were getting bottles of wine for like $1.50 for good wine. And so, I mean, we had one night where we ate in, in the United States, that would be three, $400 meal. It was like 90 bucks. It was like, wow. So, I mean, there's the good and the bad things. You feel bad for the people they're living, obviously. But for a tourist, and especially from Europe or the United States, it's, it's, it's very affordable. A very easy way of living, yeah. But Buenos Aires. Was that man, the biggest place you went, Buenos Aires? Uh, it might be. It's either that, Santiago, uh, Medellin. There's 8 million people That's- in the valley. There's like eight cities in Medellin. In this one valley. And is that Argentina too? That's Colombia. That's okay. where I talked to you last. Gotcha. Okay. Because yeah. um, I, I remember looking one time and I thought, naive, I was like, oh, New York City's got to be one of the biggest cities in the world. You just think naturally. And I looked one time, I think it's like 15th in the world. Really? Like, I didn't know it's not even. It's not even, in, it's not in the top 10. Like you're talking, uh, it's just the amount of people in Asia yeah, is you're right. unreal. You're right. Unreal. And uh yeah, New York is not that big relative to the big. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, some, yeah. There's, there's cities I've never even heard of, and I'm like, they're bigger than New York City. You're probably right. Because there's one in uh, Pakistan. It's like the fifth or sixth largest mm-hmm. in the world, and I, if you said it, I might recognize it. But if I just looked at the name, like, I don't even know what that place I is. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Buenos Aires. Like, so what'd you do there? Uh, so I met up with that. Every hostel has a different vibe when you mm-hmm. walk in, and it's always this one was the nicest hostel I stayed in. It was just. It was clean. It was huge. Outdoor seating, a patio. And all the people that I met, they were awesome. Um, and they had these little events. And so one night they brought in these samba dancers and they taught us all how to dance samba. And we're drinking our, our mall bags. We're eating like classic or traditional Argentine food. And everyone, there's like 15, 20 of us 
couple guys from uh, the Netherlands, a couple guys from Australia, a couple girls from Brazil, and you just sit there and everyone hangs out and talks and drinks and dances, and it's just a party. One of the coolest things, I was, I was, I was actually like, I was following you, like, mm-hmm. and uh, every time you post and stuff, and I appreciate you wearing my shirt, half the pictures, but the, uh, <laughs> so I'm like watching this stuff, and like every night you're just with people, and I was thinking in my head, I'm like, How's this guy like? Like you're sitting down, and all of a sudden you get like seven people around, like eating with. Because it's different. It's not like you just like roll. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, are you rolling in and just asking to sit with them, or do you just like is this people you met mm-hmm. in certain things? So most of these people were hostel guests, guests that were doing the same thing you were doing, exactly. right? Just looking for friends, hanging out, doing. And, and so everyone's going which is through perfect. It, all the same mindset. They're all. Everyone wants to make the friend because if you don't, you're just gonna sit there alone. So you, I mean, there's a few people that aren't the friendliest, whatever. But for the vast majority of people, are just like. Where are you from? What do you do? Where are you going? These are my recommendations. Oh, I've been there. You should do this. And then you tell them the exact same thing. Did you find like, uh, was it any different being from America down there compared to others? Big time. I was going to say, I didn't know if it would be like cool to some people that you, oh, you're from America. Is that still kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. Or are they? You get a reaction, good or bad, either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's even indifferent, but like you always, oh, in the United States or oh, America. Like, yeah, I think the guy from the Netherlands, like, okay, Netherlands. Whatever. Exactly. Like you're like, that's cool, but they're like, eh. the, A lot of the European people are just like, yeah, you're just, you're an American. And like they kind of push it off. But uh, I did get the reaction a lot especially from people from Scandinavia, it's like when I would talk about what I would want for our country, because you get into a lot of political conversations. Scandinavia meaning like Northern Europe? Uh, yeah, like Norway, uh, yeah. Sweden, Denmark, Finland and-, Finland. and I would say a lot of the ideas that I agree with, which is a lot of Scandinavian ideas. Okay. They're like, are you really sure you're from America? And I was like, no, I swear the younger generation kind of thinks a certain way it's, in our yeah, country. Yeah, a little different. Yep. Yeah, things are changing slowly. Yeah. And so that was refreshing though. Um, so what, what was your favorite part, especially like, I mean, was it the food? Obviously, the people probably yeah. the number one because yeah, you yeah, get to yeah. meet people. But like, what was your favorite thing when you met these people? Was it more like the like the most memorable? Was it the dinners? Was it day trips? Was it yeah. just hanging out at night? It's like it's super hard to pick one thing over everything, uh, but it was just the camaraderie between people and like the the willingness and openness for people to like let you join in when whatever was going on. Like I remember I landed in Rio one night and I walked into my room and these people, were, hey, what's up? And it was like two girls from Ecuador, a dude from Ecuador, a dude from, I don't know, some other country in South America. They're like, hey, we're going to the Maritime Museum tomorrow if you want to come. I was like, all right, cool. So we woke up, went to the museum with them. I met a Brazilian girl who was going to school at FSU down in Florida. Oh, yeah. So she heard me speaking English to them. And she's like, where are you from? I was like, oh, United States. So we started talking. She's like, we're going to go to this uh, jazz festival later tonight if you want to come. And so you're like, yeah, sure, let's go. And so you just bounce and bounce and bounce. Yeah. So have you, you stayed in contact with some of these people? All of them. Really? Every, I mean, 90% of people I met. I, Instagram, Messenger, Skype, all of them. No, wow. Well, that's where this podcast came from, is trying to t- show people other people's lives in their these So countries. are most of your guests right now, because I, I, I have not listened to one yet. I've seen your clips, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't sure. So these are people from your travels, or are these people from like Texas? These people from... So there's two podcasts. Because you're like on what, three right now, four? Uh, number th- three, episode three, the second one with guests. The first one I came on just kind of presented the idea to everybody, told people what I was doing, caught them all up on what I, where I've been, what I've been doing. Um, there's a training one because that's that's kind of how I had to make the money. Um, and I'm having different trainers on so far. It's everybody's from Texas who I've worked with. Um, and then there's a traveling one that I have where it's really more just for fun. Mm-hmm. And because I love talking to people, I love hearing what their stories have been. And so staying in contact with all these people, I've told them, hey, come on, share what it's like growing up wherever you're from. 
Um, tell me what the government's like. Tell me how COVID has gone in your country. Tell me how you feel about the Americas. Like, I want to just basically talk to them and get their idea and their perspective on life so they can share it with the people here and share it with my friends in the United States. So are, are most, when you're doing these podcasts, these, these are um, probably Skyped in or Zoomed mm-hmm. in kind yeah. of deal. Like, what I think, of, I mean, this is how my brain gets working when you start saying stuff. I mean, is this something you plan on when the time comes that you can open up and travel more? Because you, you, you've talked about it. Like, you, in all actuality, you've spent... I mean, you only made it probably a sixth of the way through the the world kind of deal. Oh, yeah, barely. So, like, you were like, hey, and you had plans, like, for a full year to go all over. Mm -hmm. So, that's, and I know that you had, when I first saw you, I was bummed. I was like, that sucks, man. Like, you finally plan this, you go, you come back. And I I was like, I was really bummed when I heard that you were coming. Like, it's great, you're back. But I I was bummed that you didn't get to complete the trip. And then you told me, like, no, no, I'm like, I'm just, like, hiding, like, kind of hanging low, doing a couple odd jobs until I can just bounce back out. So, I mean, do you, do you, are you hoping that you're going to kind of use this as some way to like navigate and, and document everything over the next foreseeable future? Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. And like grow it and make it the second I can. So the, the second we're allowed to leave this country, uh, I'm going to take the RV with a friend from Texas who I met, we met in the military and we're going, he's from Mexico originally. And we're going to go through Mexico back down to South America, take the RV and my dog and just drive down there and hang out with people and do the whole podcast all the way down talking to different travelers, different hosts, and just kind of go with the flow and try to get one out a week slowly. If I can get more, great, but keep it at the easy number of one a week. Um, so from a podcast perspective, you finding that's pretty easy to jump it. into it? So easy. So what do you have for the equipment? Just like basic mic and yeah, two, recorder? Or? Two USB mics. Mm-hmm. Um, and because that's why I do like using Skype right now because I can record it without a camera, without anything. Mm-hmm. I can just type record, hit record, puts it up online. My audio is pretty good because I do have a nice mic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really had any problems yet. Traveling in the RV might be at some point difficult because I need to have Wi-Fi. Did you do it through your computer? Yeah. Gotcha. And so right now, uh, like my mom is parked at a friend's house. And so I hop on my scooter, throw my, my backpack and my mic in the, in the book bag, and go over to her car real quick, put my laptop up fully charged, grab the Wi-Fi from where they're staying That's outside. Funny. Yep. And just and kind of podcast that way. Because um, the thing with podcasts, like the, the one, like if I really wanted to go low budget on this thing, I pop in some batteries on this, not plug it in. And I have, I can put a mic on the end of this. Exactly. So this actually... Uh, the other thing too is I have uh, my hosting app as an app, so I can record through mm-hmm. my phone. I haven't tried that yet, but that might be that might be like my travel version if I can't. I just use my phone and just try to go. I don't know how the quality is going to be, but um, it, it's pretty incredible what it sounds like. I mean, obviously we're listening, yeah, but like it's it's cool to hear the feedback, and then when you actually listen to it live, like that actually came out really good. Like audio is pretty cool. And it, that's it, the first compliment someone said. Like, Your audio sounds real good. Like what are you using? It's, just, it's a regular mic, man. Like I do, I need some of these because it is nice being able to hear when you move and when you come farther away from the mic. But yeah. other than that, I think. It, it's, uh, well, one of the things, if I had to, the two things, I don't know if I told you this, like the two things I would change in my setup is just this whole setup right here. Or not, mm-hmm. no, sorry. This whole setup right here, the arm. Um, these are decent. They do the job, but they're not, they're pretty, they're pretty cheap. I think I had the same ones to be honest. Yeah. I, I just, I, I kind of, they get kind of, uh, squeaky here, but that's fine. <laughs> um, this actually doesn't sound bad. I think cause I tighten a couple up while I'm talking. So I'll just keep tightening stuff if I hear it. But, uh, the headphones, I want to get some nice ones that go over the ears and it's a little more like noise canceling, but it'll really kind of have a better, these are cheap. I mean, this is all like budget stuff that I bought. The mics aren't, the mics are legit. This is legit, yeah. 
but it's like all the extras like to make our lives a little more easier it's yeah, like the more budget stuff, yeah. yeah so but i think that this is becoming more and more essential at least for me to wear it and then um it's nice to at least have one person otherwise you play it back and like that come out good like we actually live time or live by listening to headphones you basically are getting a live recording of the of the podcast live as you're going through and then from there you can adjust a lot of stuff exactly. so you're getting that feedback right off um so we went from let me see so we were okay. buenos aires then, and then we started going east, right? Or yeah, no? yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Um, good job on the geography. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I'm good with geography, just not all the names of the cities. So that's so the plan originally was never to go to Brazil because I'd heard like horror stories about Brazil. It's scary. You'll get mugged. you get robbed. All these bad things. And I, every traveler I met along the way is like, no, you have to go to Brazil. It's the best country in South America. And so I showed up, flew to Rio, um, four days in Copacabana, which is like the little part, like what you see on all the postcards of Rio, the big mountains and the and the white sandy beaches. Is that where the, the Jesus thing exactly. is? Exactly. Okay. And so that I did that on my fourth day. And like a funny story about that is there's a there's a like a trolley or a tram you can hop on. And it'll take you up for like 20, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then you go stand in line and then you got to like take your picture. I was like, well, that's, that sounds like a, a waste of my time and money. So there's a back trail you can hike up the mountain and it's like seven miles up the mountain. And you're in, and I, I had two water bottles, I was hung over. And I was in the Brazilian heat, not prepared at all. And so I'm hiking up this mountain by myself, sweating. Have, but I'm having a good time because it's totally new. By yourself? By myself. And um, I'm walking up and there's these two dudes with like army uniforms, machine guns, like just hiking. They didn't say anything to me, just kept going. And then fast forward a couple of months, I'm talking to this traveler. He's like, you hiked up there by yourself? So like, yeah, he's like, when did you go? And we looked up the week before I'd been there, a, a gang of people from the favelas had kidnapped like 40 travelers and held them at ransom. <laughs> and I had no idea that it happened. And so I hiked up, no problems, got to the top of the mountain, sweaty. And you have like all the girls and the guys and all the Instagram pictures and everyone's like posing. The whole thing is ruined immediately because there's a thousand people up there. Everyone's yeah. bumping. And it's like, I click my picture, real quick selfie with the big, the the Christ statue. Yeah. And I got out of there, went back, back down. So could you go back down the trail? So you could go back down the trail or you could take a road that I thought would take a road. And so I hop on the road and I'm walking down and it's like, this is not where I was. And it's like starting to be favelas and favelas are like the, what you see in the movies where like tin thatched roofs. and yeah, like kind of slummy areas. Exactly. Yeah. The dangerous area where you're not supposed to go. Yeah. And so I'm like walking around, kind of sketchy, like the sun's starting to go down. Like, this sucks. This bus driver pulls up and we meet in the middle because in, in Brazil they speak Portuguese mm-hmm. and I speak English and I don't speak any Portuguese. And so we meet on some sloppy Spanish and basically he tells me, you get on the bus now. And so he gets me on the bus, doesn't charge me, and he drops me off at the police station at the bottom of the hill. And he says, muy peligroso. It was very dangerous. And so they, the police officer takes me down the metro. He puts me on the metro. He goes, you need to go this way. So many stops. Get off. And don't come. So I had wandered into a dangerous favela that I had no idea about. That was on the backside of this Christ Redeemer, the statue. Wow. And uh, But that was that was the only run-in I ever had in Brazil, too. No problem. So Rio happened. Rio's an awesome city. It's super fun. And that's where that statue in Copacabana and all exactly. that. Exactly. Okay. And the, the Maritime Museum, if you ever make it to Rio, go to it. I mean, it doesn't sound like it'd be anything special. One of the coolest exhibits I've ever been to. Maritime, um, like aquatic stuff? Exactly. Yeah. And it was all about how we can change the climate and how we need to how we need to work on like global warming and all these different mm-hmm. things. But just amazing, amazing exhibits. So they had this big, uh, remember the thing we used to do in school where you crawl in the, the space thing? On the stage of the theater. Oh, yeah, the planetarium. Planetarium. So yeah. they had one of those. Those are awesome. You'd crawl oh. in. Yeah, so I was laying. That's where I met the girl from FSU. We were just laying on these blankets, and she's sitting there right next to me laying down, and we started talking. I was like, this, 
such a cool experience. Um, so then I'll keep going to Rio. We, she invites us to this party. Uh, me and the five people. She just ran. We ran into her at the pleasure room. Just ran. She heard me speaking English, and then wow. So. And so it's really nice to speak English from with someone who's an American because. You oh, can, she was American. She well, she was Brazilian. Had moved to America to go to school and had lived there for four or five years. Oh, so okay. So yeah. she had got the lingo. She had got all the the, the intricacies of the, the American dialect and the English dialect that we use. And because you can speak English with other people from other countries, but they're not going to understand. Like the subtle the subtleties of you and I and our slang and things like that. So it's very refreshing to hear somebody and be able to use and not have to think about what you're saying twenty four seven. So we kinda clicked, started hitting it off. She was, Yeah, we're gonna go to this jazz festival. So we hop in the tab and we go all the way across Rio. Um and we just hop out and we walk around this corner in the middle of an alleyway, just this like blue tarps basically put up about six and a half feet high so you gotta kind of like duck oh, under them low oh super low and everyone's kind of huddled together they're selling like chicken on a stick right next to it and selling beers out of uh, uh coolers, coolers yeah. like just random people and jazz music's in the middle of it and it's like a hundred people deep just jamming out so we hang out there for a while and she has this other dude that she had met so we hop on a metro we go across the city again me and her and this other dude and we're going to this alternative hip-hop concert <laughs> and so it's like something you see out of a movie. We walk into this alleyway. It's like people wearing all leather, like zip up, like zip up all the way to the top of their body. Where you can't see their face, straight leather, like three or four people making. It's like something you see out of a really yeah. strange movie. Yeah, yeah. And so we walk in and it's just somebody yelling in Portuguese, like screaming into the mic. And they're all like fist bumping and head banging. And it's like, this is intense, dude. So we just go up to the top and we just watch these people mosh for like two hours straight. And we're just drinking, hanging out. <laughs> And it's just, everything's so surreal. Cause I'm like thinking like, how am I here right yeah, now? I know. Like, this I is know. crazy. Like I started this, <laughs> I started this morning in a hostel with people I didn't know. And now I'm across and I have no idea where I am. And so, and I'm in this random party with nobody knows who I am. And I, I would have experiences like that over and over again. Be like this, I don't, how I got here. Is so, just, so like when you, when you're doing all this and just kind of all over the place and like that night particularly, or not, I mean not that night, but mm-hmm. like you go in, do that whole thing. Like, do you go back to the same hostel? Do you just kind of, okay. I didn't know if yeah, you were yeah, like, yeah. that's kind of like my base and I go back or am I just kind of like wandering around? To no. Yeah. Them? So I never would get that drunk. I always kind of keep my, my bearings about me because this, the last thing you want to do is get super drunk by yourself in a random city in a mm-hmm. different country. So I'd hop in, hop in a cab and they'd be like Copacabana, blah, blah, blah. They've dealt with so many tourists in all these cities. You kind of just show them on your phone where you're going and, and they're going to take you home and just drop you off at the door. That's wild. Yeah. So like when you go, were you at the hostels and stuff, were you able to like leave your belongings somewhere? Were they always safe? Were you locking they all, them up? Yeah, or? they always have a locker. Either in your room, connected to your, like it's a bunk bed that you can pick up or mm-hmm. slide out, or it's in the hallway and it'll be connected, like a certain bed to get to a certain locker. And you kind of do it that way. So it was easy then. So yeah, it wasn't. Always locked up. Okay. So then we went from Rio. <laughs> yep. Then we go to Rio. We go up the coast about three hours. I hop on a bus and I go to a little place called Ariel del Cabo. And it's like... Uh, per- Is this the beach place that you... Yes. Okay. I remember you telling me about this. Perfection. Perfection, man. And like all day you just hop on a boat. You pay $20 and they take you out on this boat and you just they give you drinks. Caparinos it's called, which is lime juice cachaça which is a certain kind of liquor and sugar and it's just all it is and it's delicious and you're just drinking them all day they take you out on this boat with like 10 other people and you just cruise to these little islands spend an hour on an island lay in the sun go in the blue water and then they take you over to these reefs over these coves and you just hang out on the boat all day, day. drinking at its finest all day <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting so how many around. days you do that three days straight 
and then I was just like, nonstop did the same thing. Uh, basically, um, it's, it's like a little beach town. And I mean, so, that sounds awesome, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, everything gets tiring at the end of the, that many days. So, so you spent three days at that yep. little because I remember you mentioned this to me. And then that's when you got in your ripper dry, boat ride, or no, no, Am I so, jumping ahead. Yeah, a little bit, but then I went to like Natal up on the very corner, um, e- northeast corner of Brazil. I, it was just another beach town, not as fun as the one before, so I was kind of let down. Spent two days there and got out because I could catch a flight earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, Sao Paulo. I met up with a girl who I had met at the beach town beforehand. She showed me. She was from Sao Paulo. Showed me around for a couple of days, hung out. Sao Paulo is New York City that speaks Portuguese. I mean, even looking at the streets, looking at the building, it seemed like I was in New York City. Wow. It was very weird. And I, so they obviously have the same stores. and Yeah, all, this, all those major stores are there. All the people are there. Like, everyone's clean and dressed nicely, and they have museums everywhere. I mean, you're going to... The disparity between poor and rich, though, Brazil was, like, number one. That's mm-hmm. where it was the largest gap that I had seen. The, the, the poverty in Brazil is unmatched than anything I've ever seen in my life. Like, people just... Is that more in the cities or more in the outside? Like those smaller, I say smaller, but like the smaller cities. Yeah. Like uh, I was in Salvador, which I think is super poor. Um, Salvador was like the first place that the the Portuguese came when they came to Brazil. And that's their their main hub where they would bring the slave trade in and that's what everything. And I was in Salvador, February 2nd, and they have the festival of Yamanja. And it's like, that's the slaves religion they weren't allowed to celebrate back in the 1600s. And so when they finally got their freedom, they made this huge party in Salvador, the birthplace of Brazil. And it kicks off Carnival, which is in February. It's, this, oh, yeah, it's a big, the yeah. countrywide festival where it hops around each city, ends in Rio at the end of the month. But it kicks off in Salvador. So I'm in the hostel. My friend from Ireland, he was on my podcast just last week. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, we're going to go to this party. Come on down. And I'm thinking like a party, like 30, 40 people. We get to the beach and it's just like... <laughs> thousands of people as far as you can see everybody's wearing white and doing these traditional dances and playing like traditional uh instruments and just partying in the street you stay up all night the sun rises everybody cheers for the sunrise and then everybody hops in these little boats and they bring them out into like maybe 100 200 feet into the ocean and everybody drops in white rose petals everywhere the white is the color of the god and she's the god of the sea and she takes care of all the children in salvador and that's kind of the story behind it and so they celebrate this god every year february 2nd so if you can get to Brazil, February second, wild, highly recommend. Do you have it. just there though, Salvador? Salvador for that one, but um, you can go anywhere during February and and catch a fun time. It it's uh, yeah, it, it's just crazy when you think like the customs and just like like what people do and like it's just wild, like the parties and people like that. That's one thing I think is the coolest thing is just looking at all the different cultures and yes. like what people do and what, how they react and how they go about and se- what they celebrate and like the car was it the carnival you yeah can, like that. I've heard of it. I mean, it just, but it sounds like Brazil is just like a fun place. Party central. And everybody's yeah, like, so happy. I mean, beer is called beach juice. So it's just like, that gives you an idea how much everyone's drinking there all the time. Pizza and beer is the main thing that I ate the whole time I was in Brazil. And that was like their thing? Delicious pizza. Really? Great beer. Yeah. Really? What is like a, well, they don't really make any Brazilian beer, right? Up here? Uh, I've never seen them up here. I never heard of them. Down yeah. there, I can't remember the names. I, I would always go by the can color because I knew what I would like after it and like the names I couldn't always remember. Yeah. So like the yellow one, the red one, and they mm-hmm. would know exactly what I'd be talking about. But delicious beer. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Did, was there a day you didn't drink there? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I would probably I drink the whole time. Well, like, no, I think I would just like buzz my way right through. For sure. And like, uh, and you think. 
the nice thing about staying in hostels is that they have like the, the party rooms where you can do that. But you can also, when you get tired of four or five days doing mm-hmm. this, it was like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go get an Airbnb for three, four dollars more. And you get a really nice Airbnb by, by yourself, take two nights, recharge, and then go get another hostel somewhere else. Wow. And so maybe every week or so, I'd get a little bit of Airbnb, get some good food in me, take the night off, catch up all my YouTube shows that I want to watch from the States. Mm-hmm. And then just, yeah, sleep in for a couple of days, get good breakfast. Then right back at it. That's crazy. So how long were you in Brazil in total? One month. Okay, so we went up to, now we're up the coast, and then you went to Sao Paulo. Yep, and then I went to the Amazon. Okay, that, okay, so yeah. That's... Yeah, because I met a French girl in Salvador, and I was telling her my troubles to get from Rio or anywhere in Brazil over to Medellin, Colombia, where I wanted to go. It was like $1,000, $1,100 for the flight. She's like, oh, no, I took a boat from uh, somewhere, Leticia in Colombia to Manaus in Brazil, the capital of the Amazon. She's like, just go take it and take it back. It's three days, no problems. It's cheap. I was like, all right, cool. So I go to Manaus, spend five days in the Amazon doing like the boat tours and going into the jungle, uh, partying a little bit and just seeing the city. Um, great time. Manaus is cool. It's it's different than the rest of Brazil. Because when you think of Brazil, you see beaches and like beautiful women and partying everywhere. Manaus is in the middle of the of the jungle. And so like... Like legit, that's the Amazon. That's the Amazon. Like you can hop on a boat and they'll give you like six, seven day jungle tours where you just go spend the night in the jungle in tents and they'll bring you out there and you eat off the land, you live off the land for a couple of days and the people look different. Mm-hmm. Like they look like almost indigenous people. You would think they would look, they're shorter, they're kind of squatter looking, kind of the faces are different than the Brazilian people you would think. So it's just a whole different culture in, in Manaus. So you were right in the thick of it. Oh yeah. So when you said you stayed in like, in the woods or oh, the forest, the rainforest, right in the middle of the forest. Yeah. So was that super humid? Oh yeah. The uh, <laughs> well, the other like I always think of like rainforest cafe. Yeah, like, yeah, the, like, yeah. But uh, um, isn't it true that there's people in Amazon that have like they they just don't interact with anybody? I think so. Like they have no yes. recollection of anything going on in the world because they just live in this like little certain area. tribes. Yeah, I think we still and we keep like contact, but we don't go and contact them. We just kind of look and watch. Like, like I, I wonder if you think of like people like. Things that just people know in the world, like take the U.S. Like, do they even know there's a United States of America? These people, they're probably not. Probably not. They're probably just like, I don't know. Like, I just know like that. I can eat that and I can't touch that. And yeah. like, it's just very simple. A very immediate life. It, it Which it blows my mind when you see that kind of stuff with just people that, I watched a documentary one time and I forgot what they were trying to do and they were living someplace like that and they were trying to live off of, God, it's going to tick me off now that I can't think of it, but. They're trying to live off a certain amount of money per day, and I forgot where this was. And what they did to, uh, to simulate it was they had X amount of money, mm-hmm. so they basically tried to live like these people. So they would roll a dice, and certain days they made zero money, and certain days they made like eight bucks. And then uh, they like so they was trying to do like a little experiment. And I forgot what it was. The it was on Netflix, but it was kind of a cool little situation. And they lived in some poor third world country and that was the thing like we have no food today we have money for rice or whatever so now we got to go like do whatever they had to do i don't know i'm giving a very bad description but it was a really cool um it was was just a cool experiment that they did and they lived there for quite a i think it was a month or two months and that's what they did it was just a bunch of guys from like the u.s that went out and did this thing i would love to do something like that yeah you would like thrive off Uh, that it's because well i tried to live off 50 dollars a day and that like literally only spend fifty dollars, and that included food, housing, travel. And that was doable. One hundred percent do it. Doable. So, now what would you spend normally per night for like a hostel? Anywhere. When I was staying in Colombia, I found a really nice one. 
uh, not like a really nice people who ran it, and it was rather cheap, and it was six bucks a night. And like wow. I, I stayed there for the whole time I was in Medellin, and I would just pay like, here you go here you take my money like no yeah, problem under two hundred bucks for the and the I whole stayed, and by the time I was there for two three weeks like there's a it was a gorgeous hostel two floors the whole kitchen was split into two so all the cooking area and eating area was undercover but then there's a big back courtyard you could hang out in and they're always they're always pretty because they need to attract people to come into yeah kitchens are always wide open for you to use people who work in there usually speak a couple of different languages so they can help you get along they can show you the place. And there's obviously people coming and going all, all the month. time. And Medellin, what I loved about the Medellin is that nobody parties Monday through Thursday. Like nothing goes on in the city. And so it's like very quiet. You can get your workouts in. I was going to Spanish school when I was in Medellin. And so there was, it was like a regular day for me. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Game on. Party Central. Was that where I, that was where we FaceTimed that one yeah, time? exactly. Um, so were you in the, the, the hostel there? I was, was in the hostel for six months or six weeks there total. And that was when everything was shut down, though. Uh, oh, I was in the hostel there for like four weeks when things were normal, uh, and then two weeks in the hostel, and then three weeks in an apartment, and that's what, that's where we spoke. Okay, so you just got that was kind of like my, your quarantine area. Mm-hmm. I went and bought a part or rented out an apartment. Was for that a month. easy to do? No problems. Really? Yeah, you just go on the first. I had to rent two, and the first one I wanted like a, like Booking dot com, and they have a bunch of them. You can just type it in. And the really? first one I was in was like. A legitimate nice apartment like a penthouse suite and i was like i for a week i was like oh fuck it i'll do it and i was paying for the week like on equality what you would pay equally what you would pay in the united states and so i was like i can't keep this up for a month or i'm gonna go really gonna go broke oh gotcha and so i contacted a friend who had met and he's from spain so he speaks good spanish and he was staying in colombia he's like oh we got an apartment two floors below me he's like come on over to this building oh nice he set me all up yeah no problems and that was way cheaper more affordable oh yeah half the cost and it was you get a little studio apartment in a high rise and it's it's comfy no problems yeah that's yeah. all you need and and so i know it sounds dumb again but like over there easy to get on like wi-fi and internet yeah they have wi-fi everywhere because, like hotspots or whatever or just, uh like- just i don't know how they do it but all the businesses have it and it's all posted outside i use because i didn't i think a lot of those cities are used to having travelers. And so when you travel, if you don't get a SIM card for your phone mm-hmm. uh, in that country, you can only use your Wi-Fi. And so at a lot of these touristy places, all the restaurants are going to have Wi-Fi to kind of attract people into their stores anyway. So um, with the Wi-Fi, or I'm trying to think. So again, I know it sounds dumb, but like, you know, when you go on like computers or you go on phones from people from other countries, just like in their language. Like mm-hmm. how, like when you pop on your computer in Colombia, does it just bring up your Google home screen? Nah, it's Spanish. Really? Because <laughs> yeah. you're in that country, right? Yeah, so like when you're trying to buy plane tickets, like in Brazil, it's super hard because you, you, you have to have on certain sites a Brazilian ID number. And if you don't have one, you can't even buy a plane ticket. So you have to use wow. certain apps or you have to be able to like recognize, after a while you can recognize like certain words and certain places to put in numbers and everything like that. But you're not even reading. You're just doing it by memorization because you can't even read the Portuguese that it's in. Oh, my God. It stressed me it's out. So, one, I remember one time when I was trying to get out of Brazil, it was it was such a stressful day trying to find airplanes and tickets and boat rides. It was That can be a little headache, but, I mean, it's only a day or two in the in the grand scheme. So so when, when you, like, pull up – when you pull up your computer and it's in Spanish, like, can you go – if you had to go to Google, for mm-hmm. instance, could you go to Google? Would it come up in Spanish? Or do you have to, like, go Google Translate and I think, get back to English? Or? Well, I would just say, like, if I needed to find directions, I would just type it in, and then I would just put in English on Google, and it would come up in English. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. – I just didn't – I just thought it would go with, like, the setting of your computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you just pop up. Like, I pull up my work and be fine. And that's what I would think. But, like, even Netflix in Brazil, it's all different. They have different shows. They have different everything. 
And so, so you do have Netflix. It just comes on as that that, that country's country Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, that's wild. And so, they have, some shows are great that we don't even get here. We can't. But in English, yeah, really. And you I mean you have subtitles as well? Yeah. So could you go on and watch like The Office? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like you could watch The Office in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's the thing that like, I mean, I've traveled. I've never traveled to. I've been only really to Europe and. You, you can get by in Europe. Europe, mm-hmm. I don't find Europe that different. I mean, there's different cultures and stuff, but it's not like South America. It's not like Asia. Like, I think those would be the extremes. Africa is probably extreme. Yeah. Like, I don't think like Europe and Australia are like the extremes. I'd say like we're very similar. I agree. Um, so you end up, you go there and then you end up, you fly back up here, right? Yep. So now we're here. And so what, what's the plan again with the RV once you go down through... Like you're just going into South America and just kind of redoing this whole thing just with yeah. an RV now. So like, are you dumping the RV or are you like, so this is all like long time out. I mean, it's not, it's like kind yeah. of thought out, but not really. Not at all. And so I learned that before I traveled, I read a book called a 10 years of nomad and it was great. And the thing that he said was like, do not make a plan. And I still didn't listen to that at all. Yeah. And so I had this whole plan mapped out. I had like my whole world trip mapped out city, city, country, like time and everything. I landed and I, I missed my first plane and I was like, all right, well, this is pointless. Yeah. And so the, the outline for this one is, first of all, I need to make sure my friend can do it because I don't want to drive through uh, Mexico without being able to speak perfect Spanish. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not necessarily scared to go through Mexico because I think I've been in just equally as sketchy places, but I want a security blanket. Yeah. I don't want to be down there and not be able to speak the, the language because who knows, Mexico's a dangerous place. Well, and you're traveling, so it's like there's a lot of small little towns. It's not like you're going from city to city. It's like... And the RV sticks out. Like, not a lot of people have RVs in in Latin America. Um, And so I want to... Yeah, I want to do that. And then kind of... I want to get down to, like, Panama. And there's this little string of islands that I can't remember the name of now. And if I can trade that in for, like, a catamaran or some kind of boat or a pontoon and kind of sail through these islands in the Caribbean to Colombia, uh, and then kind of sell the boat or trade the boat off for some quick cash and then figure that out as I go. That's, that would be ideal. Do I think it'll happen? I don't think it'll work that, that well, but do, would you rather be on the boat? You think? No, I just haven't done it, but I mean, something you're just like, whatever, I'll just learn how to do it. Yeah. I think sailing through the Caribbean would be a really cool experience, but you got to think like, like, I know it sounds dumb, but like looking at a map, you're like, oh, just like go through here. But like, that's like a hundred miles. Like yeah, you're just like, sure. you're in the middle of the water. Like it's not, it's not like you're, it's not like you're like going down the coast here and going between Valcor and like the, you know, well, I would, I would stay relatively close to the shore, probably always within eyesight. Yeah. But if you're going in the, like if you're going into the Caribbean at some point, you got to come away from the coast. Are you talking like you're just going to go along the coast? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. you're you're not like venturing out to no, islands. No, okay. I'm, I don't know how to drive a boat. Like okay. That's what I was like. I'm like, that's, <laughs> no, I mean, no, it no. could be a hundred miles. You there's know? like, there's like really small little like, uh, uninhabited islands all throughout the, the coast of like Panama, Costa Rica. So you'd see the mainland all, at all times. Almost always. Yeah. Gotcha. So you'd be like a quarter of a mile off the mainland. Exactly. Gotcha. Nothing okay. crazy. Yeah. Nothing I was going to say, that's, that's, I mean, you do it. Do it up. I just, <laughs> no, like so I'm like, you may want to just take a boat course before you go down. I've never sailed in my life. So, um, so, so I mean, I think you would get it. YouTube videos, but I'll figure yeah. this out. Especially if you're like hours and hours on this boat. Um, so when you go down, what is, I mean, where's your, you don't, I mean, I say game plan. You're just going down to South America and just rolling with the punches, kind of till you get bored and then fly wherever you think would be cool. Yeah, but well, 
Right now, everything kind of, this is going to sound so fucked up. It all depends on when Nas dies, my dog. Because. <laughs> How old's that dog, <laughs> He's by the nine. Way. Okay. And so I'm going to stay in the States until he passes long term. Like, I might go to a trip here and there and come back. Gotcha. But, like, I'm not going to spend any real time outside of the country because he's, I need to, need to watch my dog. You mean this trip you're not going out of the country? Or, like, this when, like you take the RV down, yeah, you're not well, going with you? That's or? not going. I'm not doing that until COVID's over. Until, we can't even cry. We can go to Mexico, but we can't go anywhere else past Mexico. No, I know, but I'm saying once everything's opened up, I'm assuming uh, that yeah. happens before your dog passes. Yeah, yeah. Know? He's going to come. But okay. then leaving the, I guess, the continents of the Americas won't happen until. Oh, so you might just. Like, you might take an RV down and find a way back up to the States with mm-hmm. the dog. Yeah, yeah. Because gotcha. I can't really, I don't want to leave. Maybe, like I said, like a couple of weeks, maybe go somewhere. But, but the I need to spend time with him. My mom wasn't very happy when I was just planning to leave for a year, just leave him with her. And so, and he's getting older, so I need to spend time with him and make him happy these last little couple of years. So where's he now? With your mom? He's with me. He's oh, yes. He he's living in the RV. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll go do that. Is he named after the rapper? Yes. Okay. 100%. Um, so, <laughs> just... um. Okay, so you're going down there, um, doing the pod. So we'll go with like podcast stuff. So like, what have you found? Like, did did you get you had a drone, right? Mm-hmm. And you got all the like the gear and the gimbals and all that stuff. All of it, yeah. So how was that? Because I know you were kind of questioning me on like, should you get it? What should you get? Yeah. What's like most minimal kind of thing? I love the drone just because I think it's a cool thing. And they have these goggles that you can put on and see in real time what the drone is seeing. Oh, wow, I think that's is that DJI exactly. Which one do you have? The Air? No, I have the Mini. Uh, and I, I got the Mini on purpose because you can, over 250 grams or more for a drone, I guess you need to like license it or register it, and you can't fly it in certain areas. The Mini, you can fly anywhere. And it goes in your pocket. It, literally. So so what's the footage? Is it 4K? 4K, 1080p, no problems. Everything you've seen that I've posted have been on that drone, and it's it fits in this cup, everything. People said that you had to get the mini versus like a bigger one. And I don't know what the difference is, but like for what I would do, I think the mini would be perfectly fine. I, I think, I don't think if you're, if you're not making like a video or making like, if you're not a videographer, yeah. I don't think you need to spend eight, $900. I, I think it was things. the mini and it was the Mavic air was mm-hmm. the other one. That's kind of like, it's not the Mavic pro or whatever. Yeah. It's like the mini one down. So I was going to get between the two, but I heard like the mini it's so so tiny that you I just like pop it in your pocket, go do some shoots. I love it. And Casey Neistat, he did a review on it. I did, love Casey Neistat. I, I watched a bunch of these reviews on it, and everyone's like, "Dude, this thing's awesome." If you if you're not a serious like YouTuber or a serious video maker, it's more than enough. If you could tell, like, I would love to do what Casey Neistat does. Well, yeah, of course. If, if I like, I mean, just like video <laughs> stuff, but like, it's just so fun, like to drive, like especially when he was back in his New York studio. I I didn't find out much about him until probably like three years ago um and he'd been doing it for a few years prior to that and uh just watching him create films is incredible and he he just started reposting yes like a week a week and a half ago yes. and i've watched like two of them they're a little smaller but like him just rolling through new york city and doing all these like video shoots is incredible i actually got the idea of that shelf from his office uh, behind him huh? yeah because he used to have a bunch of stuff and i'm like i just love like, I know people, like, shit on it, but, like, I have just boxes with just... But, I, like, I got that from Kate. I'm like, that's brilliant. Like, yeah. I don't care what it looks and like. No, it's my office. It I don't give, I don't yeah. care what anybody says about my office. Like, I know exactly where to find my camera gear, where to find my office supplies, and it's just on boxes, which are cheap. I don't mm-hmm. have to pay. So, uh, yeah, if I, I think, one, I love making videos, but I'm very much an amateur. But I think I have a pretty good eye if I was to go out and make stuff. And I love editing. I just, like, I edit some small... I did, like, the, the golf promo video yeah. we did the other day, which is, like was decent you know like yeah like it was like considering just this little mini promo or minute promo video but i do like the idea of uh 
doing like filmmaking. How'd you find that? Cause you were doing some YouTube stuff. You, like I watched a couple of the videos yeah. as you're going around. Like how'd you find shooting stuff or did it kind of like, it was too much of a chore? I don't like it. I, and I, 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 I like, I did the videos traveling just so kind of show people what I was doing and mm-hmm. kind of put them through the experience. But like I found it took away from my actual experience. I most other than in Colombia, I didn't have a SIM card, so I didn't ever have my phone on me. It would just I just leave it in a hostel, mm-hmm. and it was so refreshing to like not have my phone, just be in the moment, twenty four seven, never taking pictures. Uh, the first one of the first days in Santiago, this girl was taking a picture like this, holding her phone up, and some dude just ran by, snatched it out of her hand, and just kept running. And like that was like lesson learned for for me, hard way for her. But yeah, oh. so I would just leave my phone there. It was nice never having service because it would just be. I would just be there. I'd yeah, be in the moment. Present. And so the video thing, while I enjoy showing people what I'm doing, it felt more of a burden than anything. Especially if you want to do it well. Yeah. Like, I'm sure oh, like yeah. you'd be like, hey, listen, I can grab footage and I can put one out a week. And then it's, you know, and I do it when I'm sitting in the hostel in those couple days mm-hmm. or Airbnb when I'm recharging. But it is true if you're really making a film. Because I know Casey's talked about that too when he was doing it. Like some of the times it's like it's not you put pressure on yourself because he's coming out with a video a day, which mm-hmm. I, that's tough to do. I can't imagine. That's work. That's and, like legitimate work. And and what he's doing, and I don't know when he's, I'm assuming, because I think I saw this, like he edits, he'll sit down and edit, like, I don't know, edit at night for three hours. And like, I did that golf video yesterday in a, it was a minute. It took me probably two and a half to three hours solid to get that video done. And I'll tell you the hardest thing about making videos, which people don't realize, is the music. It's the music. And it's like, because the thing is, I have the clips. I can visually see what's good and not good. I I, I subscribe to a a royalty-free music Mm -hmm. channel, and there's a gazillion songs by mood and genre and beats per minute and everything Mm -hmm. else. And to try to find a legit music that can go with your video and has like the mood and the tempo and has no lyrics or has lyrics. It and makes all the difference. It's been, and when I say three hours, it spent me an hour to pick music, uh, one song out for a minute <laughs> clip. And I know it sounds like, like people are like, Oh, that's kind of nitpicky. I'm like, it is not nitpicky mm-hmm. at all because music is a big deal in, in videos. If you want to make a good one, it, it should take a while. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, this was, we're talking something that I might have a thousand people watch and mm-hmm. people are going to watch it once and be like, oh, that was a cool video. And they won't care what the music was. <laughs> but as you're like making it, it's like, well, I want to make this pretty dope. Like, I don't want to just like put out some, like, there's like four or five songs, but I could use it, but I, I need something that has a little bit more. And you start timing out the video with the music. Exactly. And it's like, I'm like, now I get why things take forever, especially editors that really want to edit. Yeah. And I was doing everything on my phone. I mean, recording on my phone and editing on my phone. And so it was just not ideal. Like it was a chore. Simple. I've never edited anything on my phone. Oh, really? I do. Was it iMovie on your phone? iMovie on my phone. Now I use an, I actually paid for one that actually is really good because I mean, all I had to do is screen grab off the, the, the YouTube for uh, my podcast. But an actual video, if I was actually going to learn how to edit and shoot and everything, yeah, it would be have to be on a computer. Yeah. Like, I do everything from iMovie. I do have Premiere Pro, mm-hmm. but it's like it's like going from, like, a flip phone to an iPhone. I'm like, I haven't sat down and learned how to do it in probably a year. Like, Jordan, I, I, I forced Jordan, who was working before, I forced her to learn on it because I'm like, one – it's got way more capabilities than what iMovie has, but I'll be honest, I'm too dummy down, don't have enough time to, yeah. to really focus. I'm hoping this winter I can just like make some little 
fun videos, like on the weekends, make some clips or do some stuff with the kids and just kind of have like, just like little private things that I can do just on the side. Well, that's but what it takes. I think just messing around with it enough. It's like anything it's, yeah. it's, you can watch, I mean, one, you got to watch the videos and learn it, but I said yeah. two is just playing around and understanding the interface and understanding how things work and even just doing music and cutting. I can edit video pretty quick on, on iMovie now. Mm-hmm. The The long time of movies is the music and how you want it laid out and what do you want to cut and what do you want to add and are you using parameters and how long you want to make it and the titles and locations and iMovie is very basic. It's, it's definitely doable, but there's a lot of there's it's limited on what you can do. You yeah. pull out Premiere Pro, it's like you can pick a gazillion fonts. You can do different styles. You can do cool can, things that come out and go away. You can and, sit there all day and change it. Oh, it's the insane. Whole time. Yeah. And I, I, I saw one the other day. Uh, it was actually for Barstool, okay. and they did a, I think it was like a two minute clip, and they showed how they edited one of their things, like from start to finish, how mm-hmm. they added all the graphics and cut, and it was just like a time lapse of what they were doing. And I'm like, that's just. There's people that really know what they're doing, and you can see some really cool videos. And then mine look pretty elementary. Like like yesterday, it's like adding music and like putting half the video in black and white was like, ooh, that's a little like cinematic effect. And <laughs> it's like a couple of minor things. It's like iMovie 101. Um, what what else is going on in life right now? Like, uh, like what are we most excited for? We got like you get obviously the scooter. We got the the RV. Yeah, that's all. I really like that because I like to travel, but. The podcast, Behind the Curtain podcast, is what I'm most excited about because, one, I get to learn more about all these countries, and then I want to really, I need, or I don't need, but I want people from this country to kind of start to understand that we really do have it pretty good over here, uh, and comparatively to almost the whole world. Um, I think somewhere we've lost the idea, We this is like a heated word, but privilege, but mm-hmm. all Americans are mm-hmm. privileged yeah. to, to live in this country. And it's not like I've traveled a whole bunch or seen a whole bunch, but like the little bit that I saw had such an impact on me and how I feel that I wanted to share it with other people. And and like I have a couple of people from Ecuador coming on, a girl from Colombia coming on, a girl from China who I'm super excited to talk about too because I think the contrast between the kind of, did you meet her? Yeah, yeah, we met in okay. Salvador and we partied together for a while. Okay, um, so all these people coming on and like their life and their growing up and their situation is so different compared to what we have going on here. Well, I think too, when you talk about living in the U S like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, I mean, and the thing is like amount of people trying to just get in our country, there's that tells you like how not great other countries are. But like you said, the, the, the bringing up of people like the girl in China guaranteed probably different than what we were, how exactly. we were brought up and uh, maybe more or less structure, but the culture like, unfortunately, part of the culture of America has gotten softer. And that's, like, what you see in so many, like, just people and just kids. And, and you know, not like we had it rough growing up. Like, our grandparents' generation was way more rough. And, like, it just – I I get things get a little more easier every generation, which is kind of the goal. Like, work smarter, not harder. We want mm-hmm. to improve stuff. But at a certain point, too, that comes with – for good and bad, like you said before – our generation is way different in terms of beliefs and politics and things, I think, than a lot of the older. I mean, there's still there's some similarities and stuff, but you're, you're seeing things change generationally, even through history, things change genera- generationally. So I think that you're going to see more and more of that. But even with having those changes, it's just it's still at the end of the day, it's it, it's a much better place to live. And I I want to, I've, again, haven't traveled much, but every place I've traveled, there's no place I've traveled to. And I'm like, this place is way better than where I came from. Uh, I'm like, 
I wouldn't trade. I, I would like it. It's cool. It's a cool experience. It. There's some nice things. And it's fun to party. But like, if I had to live there day to day, no, I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm that, going back home. That American passport is a golden ticket. Like, it really is to go anywhere in the world. Oh. People see you. People like, like you said, people want to come to the United States. Still, we're still the gold standard. Can things change? Yeah. And I mm-hmm. do. I think they are slowly. Yeah. And that's a whole different discussion. But mm-hmm. like. People, when you still tell them you're from America, they're like, oh, America. Oh, my dream is to go to America. Like I know. New York City, Manhattan. It's like, yeah, exactly. And and with all the bad things we do have going on, and for a little while, I was very, uh, very sour to the American dream. Because like, I was there, and I saw, like, you can't see your own place until you take a step outside and look at it from another perspective Mm -hmm. and so i was very sour towards the united states after i gotten back because it was like oh we have all these great things and we're here just getting mad and getting angry at each other and not helping each other and like the lack of empathy in our country is crazy yeah and that is something i noticed immediately was how nice people were in south america to complete strangers who who did not look like them at all Mm -hmm. like and so but now that i'm spending more here time in the united states and i'm talking to people and I think, I mean, just kind of getting out of, like, the, the like, I'm a traveler, so I know thing, aspect, and idea, and kind of thinking, how can I help inform people instead of looking down on them and, like, be like, well, this is what's going on in, the other, in other parts of the world, and we need to help because we have the ability to help, not because uh, they need it, but we, we can afford to help these other countries. Mm-hmm. We need to help these other people because... We're America. We need to lead the fight on helping poor people and helping sick and helping and not. Right now, we're looked at so sourly in our in the world that it's disappointing, being an American and and having these experiences outside the country. Yeah, I mean, seeing the perspective because that's the thing we don't. We're from up here. I mean, I, I mean, the most culture I've gotten in in the United States is going to New York City, like which is trust me, it's huge. Yeah. That's a big culture shift. But like when you go down there, it's a totally different world. I mean, you just go down like walk the streets of anywhere and it's just like it just people don't look like you i mean there's just a bunch of i mean i'm used to like walking down plattsburgh and 99 percent of the people look like your neighbor you know and <laughs> which is not a bad thing but it's just the idea of like if you're going from a cultural you know uh shift or um, diversity it's like it's it's true like we you know new york city just walk through the subway and you've seen way more that or montreal is pretty diverse yeah, too montreal's a world city and, yeah. yeah and I, I love going to montreal and that's in part that's part of it too but i think new york city i mean new york city blows montreal out of the water yeah. um but it's just such a landing ground for everybody or what do they call it? melting pot exactly. like that's where everybody exactly. travels to is where you come in and um i love like new york city and montreal i think are my two favorite cities in the world just because i've spent so much time yeah. there versus i say so much time but relative to other countries um like i mean do you think do you think South America, the culture of South America, do you think that changes having not gone to any other place? I mean, is this was that the most excited you were to visit it? Or South America to like, man, this is actually just a really big surprise. I was kind of like writing it off as just my first little mini leg of the trip, and I was way more excited to see Europe or Asia or... South America, for whatever reason, has like attracted me uh, through my whole life, and I don't know why. Colombia especially. Uh, was it? Do you think this had some Texas influence, being a little more in the southern? Um, maybe... I don't know if there was much of a difference, but I didn't know if yeah. you had like, especially with Mexico and stuff being pretty close. Maybe, be, but I mean, I'd always wanted to go to South America first, but then maybe moving and living in Texas and having more of the Hispanic culture around mm-hmm. me might have influenced it even more. But South America to me has always been like the land of the Wild West, like crazy times, fun people, like 
uh, intense and, and loud and affectionate and all these things all kind of mixed into one fun area. And it's exactly that. Like, I think out of all the countries, South America and like Africa are the two of my yeah. eye. I have no clue. Like, Africa I have no idea about. I've heard amazing things. And it's like the new hot. Before COVID hit, that was like the new place to travel. Yeah, to. people like go all over. Like, yeah. in which I didn't think. Like, to me, by the way, Africa is huge. You can fit everything in Africa. Huge. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's <laughs> massive. But like, Egypt. South Africa, like those are the two. Like those are really the only two that really pop in my head. Same, is, yeah. I, then you think of the ones that they talk about that are probably where you wouldn't want to go, like very mm-hmm. bad regime regimes and like you know military militaristic whatever. Uh, but then you have, you know, my thousands of miles between everything that is just like empty, whatever. Like I, I don't even know. Like if I had to, I might be able. Africa is one of those places in the world. I can list a lot of the countries in South America, a lot of the countries in Europe, Africa, maybe five or six. Yeah. And I'd be really, I mean, maybe some would come up to me or come to me as I'm going through them. I don't know a lot about Africa yeah. at all. Me neither. I mean, were you planning on going there? Hands down. Well, you know, do you, you remember John and Tunga? Manibu. Yeah. And so the, I had messaged Tunga uh, before I left and the plan was to go to South Africa at some point. Is that where he is? He is. Yeah, oh, he wow, lives cool. there. Okay. And so, and then... Along the way, again, you meet travelers and tell you, oh, you got to go to like Botswana. You got to go to Zimbabwe. You got to go to these. And like my mom had always, she had gone to Africa 30 years ago and spent the night in this treetop canopy uh-huh. hostel. She said at night you can sit there and watch giraffes and elephants walk under you and you hear lions roaring off in the distance. And it's like, she said, there's nothing else like it. And her boyfriend just went to Africa like three years ago, did the same thing. And the big safari stayed where, where out. What was that? Zimbabwe? I don't know. I have no idea. Like when they say safari of Africa, like where's the safari? Because Sahara Desert's really far north. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm it's not like, gonna lie. Like I just I don't. I I'm really dumb when it comes to Africa. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I know um, what is a northern country that I can't remember now. But it was uh, I don't even want to try to remember. But I met a girl from Chicago, and she had just come from. Man, it's gonna make me mad. But come from a, a northern African country that she said it was amazing. You could be in the city and then you take a, a camel ride out to the back and you walk over sand dune and it's pitch black and just sand and stars as far as you can see. That's wild. Yeah, I I think like when they see like those dune buggy things on the map, like I I don't know if they do. They must do them in Africa too. But I would love to do that. For sure. Just rip those things around over the hills. Sure. Um, I mean Egypt is is it's like that's the thing. It's like Egypt, Zimbabwe. I mean you hear these places. I, if you ask me right now, give me a map of Africa no, and say, where's yeah. Zimbabwe? I have no clue. I know where no. Egypt is. I know where South Africa is. Yeah. And you might be able to argue, well, Madagascar. Like, Madagascar, I think like Saudi Arabia in there. But I don't like, even know where Saudi Arabia is. I think it's close to Egypt. <laughs> I like I, super far. I'm, <laughs> I'm so dumb when it comes to geography of, of uh, Africa. I think it would be great, great though. Like yeah. safari, African safari. I, I would love to go hunting over in Africa. I don't know anything about hunting, but I think it would just be cool. Me too. Because there's people... I had a guy... I know that he's a big hunter and uh, he went to Africa, but he said, you have to go. They encourage hunting because you have to control the population because exactly. they said there's just too many, whatever zebras or, or I don't think it was lions he shot, but like zebras or, um, whatever those goats are. I say goats, like, like deer kind of like things, antelope things yeah. like antelope. Um, yeah, well, I don't know the exact term of them, but yeah, that's, it's like the, you have to go and he had all these, some of these animal deer or whatever had these crazy horns mm-hmm. like spindles almost yeah. and then a couple points and then like like double points and i it was just incredible to see because they had all he was a taxidermist so all these 
Oh, that's cool. They were all yeah. like whatever stuff. So like he had them all up on his walls. I'm like, this is by far the coolest place I've yeah, ever seen. And he had a zebra cool. stuffed. And I'm like, this is insane. It was wow. pretty wild. And he got yeah. them all in the African safari. That's cool. Big hunter. Like I'm like, like hunter, hunter, mm-hmm. not, not like desert recreational. Like I probably like level, I don't know, Cam Haynes kind of that's style. A job. Like, yeah. yeah exactly. Like, um, so actually I got a question. Did you used to live in Austin or was it Dallas? Dallas. How far is Dallas from Austin? Uh, you said it was pretty close, right? It's like three hours if you do the speed limit. If you stay with traffic in Texas, it's like two hours. Because um, that's where Rogan moved to, right? Yeah. Austin? Right outside, yeah. Which is crazy. Like, I don't know. I've never been to Texas, but I just like... love Texas. I can't wait to be back in Texas, man. It is such a cool state. Yeah. Uh, Houston, San Antonio, I'm not a big fan of. I, I, spent, I lived in San Antonio for four months. You said like Dallas, Fort Worth. Dallas, Austin. Austin. Those are all the fun spots. So I like Dallas more than Austin. Austin Isn't Austin more. pretty like pretty like up and coming kind of like yeah? A, it's it's grew too fast. It's way too yeah. fast. It's so expensive to Just, live there. Oh really? It's, it's kind of like a tech bubble too, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and like, everyone from California is moving there. It's all it's very young. Keep Austin weird is kind of the slogan. It, it's kind of like a Silicon Valley it's of like, Texas. Yeah, Silicon Valley meets college city meets. What's Texas. in Austin? Te- University of Texas. UT. Yeah, yeah. and which is I mean, hundred thousand kids, undergrad, postgrad. And so, and then you have like Austin Community School and all these other little schools that are there too. Wow. And so it grew too fast for its own good. Traffic is horrible. There's only one highway in and out. I don't, I like Austin if I can catch a ride down there, go party for a weekend and then just leave and not have to deal with living in Austin. Dallas, I love Dallas, man. Dallas is one really? of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Is, is How far is Dallas from Fort Worth? Is it like Fort Worth like a suburb? <laughs> Half kinda? hour, yeah. It goes Dallas, Arlington, so basically Cowboy Stadium, yep. Fort Worth. And it's right in the middle of it. How far is Arlington from Dallas? Because the Rangers play there too. Twenty minutes. Yeah, you go there. It's like Dallas. The Rangers. So it's kind of like the Meadowlands for the Giants. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a Cowboy Stadium, Ranger Stadium. Now they have something called Texas Live, and they've connected all the stadiums and Six Flags all into this one giant park. And so you can just walk for this one to this one to this. Including one. the Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. And so really? they have like and they have lakes put in the middle of it and like like mini putt everywhere and and bars all spread out. They've done a really cool thing. I saw this thing the other day. And I had, I guess it's new. Fort Myers, which is I'm pumped because it's it's not far from uh, Naples when we go down and visit. Like Tiger Woods opened up like his it's like a I think top top golf but mini putt. Whoa! So it's like you can chip and putt, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like a bar. I'm like that's pretty cool. That is cool. Have you been to a top golf? Yeah, I live next to one in Texas. I would love to go to one. Oh, you've never been to one? No. Oh, I, they're they're dope. Like food booze and golf. Just hang out all and, day. And like I I we had some friends that have been to the one in Vegas, and I'm like. Pfft. If I told I told um, my wife I said if we go to Vegas, she's not a golfer, but I'm like we're it's, going to Top Golf. Like we can fun. hang, we yeah. can hang out, we can get drinks, food, whatever. But I said I'm just going to Top Golf because it's it just sounds like so much fun. It's a it's a bar and a driving range put together. It's the great it, like yeah. it's literally if you told me like give me that and let me go to the beach out in uh in, in Brazil like all in one day it's, just it's amazing. That that's uh no that's pretty cool. I, I'm uh no I'd like to go to I've never been to Vegas and I've never like. Certain places I've never been, and now with like kids and stuff, it's just not happening for a mm-hmm. few years. And then I hope as the kids get older on the back end, we kind of get to do a lot of yeah, just yeah, a, yeah. like random traveling because I'd love to. I wanted to take an RV go around the United States. Like I wanted to like National Lampoon it around, and my wife did it as a kid. And that's something I've always wanted to do. Oh, she is, did it as a kid. She's she's been yeah. She went all the way around. Wow. And we took an RV out to Madison, Wisconsin, a few years back, and that was. We just went there and back. Yeah. It was the first time on an RV. I was like, this is not bad. not bad. I mean, it's like, you know, you get used to it and stuff, and it's kind of cool. And uh, 
it's convenient as hell, you know, yeah. just like, hey, if we just have a house right here and a house on wheels. It's different. It is different. It's, it's weird different. driving it. Yeah. Well, this thing's like a boat that I have. It just floats right along. And how big is it? Is it 26 feet? Oh, it's a good size. Yeah, it? it's definitely a good size. I mean, it, it's comfy. We had, what, we had eight people in there the other night just hanging out. It's, you, you don't tow behind. You actually drive it. Yeah, it's a drive. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. What year? 2001. It's uh, not too bad. I bought it with 7,000 miles on it. That's why I bought it. Yeah. So I think the lady and her husband bought it, drove it for a summer, and then he died. And then she just sat on it uh, for, like, for, for 19 years. <laughs> and so I found it. Bought it. My mom's boyfriend. They have a, they have like one of those tour bus RVs. Okay. And they spend all year going around the country. Oh wow! But nice. he's worked on all of them. He's owned a bunch of them. So he he bought it for me down in Florida, where I bought it. He picked it up, and then fixed everything for me. Did all the maintenance that had to be done after 19 years of sitting. And I, I flew down there a month ago, picked it up, and drove it right back up. Wow! And so and now we're here. It was from Bama, right? Yeah. So you drove up from Bama up here. Mm-hmm. How was that? No problems. How many years? Or not years? How many days? Four, five days. We took our time, and so yeah, just went and just parked in like little spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool though. Did, I like it. Did you get used to all like the uh, the pipe plumbing and stuff? Yeah, and and yeah, electric and all that kind of weird thing. It's just, I mean, it just takes getting used to. Yeah, but it's pretty. I think mean, when we went, we we hooked up. The, we hooked up. Yeah, stayed for like a week and then left. So yeah. it wasn't like we did a lot. And on the way back, the way down, we never stayed. We drove all the way there. And on the way back, we parked in a truck stop, mm-hmm. but we never. Unload. We literally just parked. Everybody just crashed. Went to bed. Woke up at six in the morning. Kept exactly. driving. So and that is something I do love. Cause I've done a lot of driving. I've driven across the states two or three times now in a car. Wow. And it's like when you get so tired, sleeping in your car sucks. And then with this thing, I just pulled over, put it in the truck stop, locked all the doors, hopped in the bed, took a two-hour nap, back on the road, and keep going. Well, it's the thing you nap too. Yeah, so like exactly. I, I can. Gr- I mean, ideally, you drive at night when nobody's on the road. Mm-hmm. You're just like crush. Like, hey, I'll, I'll nap from five to nine, and then I'm on the road. I think that's cool. Um, no, I'm excited. I think I think it's kind of cool that you're uh, you're, you're venturing out. At, like the uh, the podcast, the podcast is fun. I mean, I well, you, you said we're 90. The amount of people you meet in 90, and, and it's kind of funny. We talked about before. Like I mean, when I saw you a year ago, that's the first time I'd saw you in years, mm-hmm. probably eight years, nine years. And uh, just to kind of like see people again and then meet people, there's people that like rolled in. I forgot who was on. Um, I think it was a girl. Oh, yeah, my last two guests. I didn't even know who they were. Like, I knew of them through mm-hmm. social media and stuff. But, like, when I actually met them, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And they're nice people and first time. But it's, like, it's a good icebreaker when you're like, hey, come on. Yes. Shoot the shit. Talk. Um, and I, I, I think as you grow and go to more places, you'll just, if you stick with it and you like it. Because audio is way easier than video. Way easier. Yeah. It's, yeah. like. I mean, there's times I've been like I spent half the time I still playing with it like a toothpick. Like nobody can see me playing with it. It's like you're talking, but it's like you don't have to edit anything. I mean, you just let talk. I mean, it's it, it takes me about ten minutes to upload these podcasts, start to finish. I get done, I put it on, I let the computer do its thing, and then it's yeah, just type a little description and pop. And and uh, that's the one thing I like. Video, you're talking a couple hours depending on what I'm yeah, trying to yeah. shoot. Um, but yeah, th- these are these are easy. So what is your I guess what what are you most looking forward to with the podcast, with the travel, with I guess the next like couple years, like game plan, no game plan, rolling with the punches. I mean, you have you obviously have like a an idea yeah. in the next probably few months, but like from there on. So I need I have nine credits left until my degree's done, and so I need to get back to Texas at some point and finish those that last semester that I have because I've tried to do it online. The UNT University of North Texas isn't offering any of the classes that I need online. And so I had to go back to school. And so that has to that is another reason why I'm staying around the States as long because I need to go back and get this done. 
Um, but it's one semester, right? One semester, yeah. I mean, nine credits is nothing. But Could you enroll for next uh, spring? I'm trying to go in the spring. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not in any hurry because they're going full capacity in all their classes. The gyms are open. Everything's open. And COVID is, is, is hot in Dallas. And nobody really pays attention to it. And it was funny driving up from the south to the north, like watching like the difference in how southern people are handling COVID compared to the Clinton County. Clinton County has zero cases. Yeah. Like we're safe here. And I think it's because we took it so seriously in the beginning. We're down there. It's like nobody cares. It's not real. It, 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 you know, the funny thing was when we, we were told to open up on June 1st, I came in to the office or whatever the date was. I think it was June 1st. I think it was a Monday. I came in uh, the day before. And we were told on Friday we could open Monday. So I was like, and we had no guidelines. And finally, they give the guidelines on Friday. I'm like, what the hell? So I came in here, I think, on a Sunday for like six hours. And I was going through every little detail. I probably read 40 sheets of paper. And I'm like, is there something we're not missing? Got the cleaning logs, got everything we need. And it was so funny. I did all this work to get open. And in other places did too. But like, we were like we were good. We checked all the boxes mm-hmm. and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I know people didn't go do as much as I just did. Cause like I was like nitpicky, but around here, everything's been pretty good. But I'm like, then I look at other places locally. I'm like, I know some people didn't do it, but we're fine. And then you and these other um, States, I'm like, I guarantee you there's people are just super lax. And, oh. I, and I remember when I went into college, this is just like a side story just to kind of give you like an analogy. I went to, I went to college. The professor said, listen, I need, this like 10 page paper. I need the draft done by like next Thursday. Okay, perfect. Thursday roll in. Cause we had grown up, like you have a draft date, you get the draft, do whatever you do on the due date. Walk in, ready to go. 10 pages draft. Kid next to me goes, Yeah, so what's the topic? And I like threw my hand. I'm like, Are you kidding me? So then she goes, Ah, oh, just like bring it in in a couple days or whatever. And like this kid didn't even know the topic. So I kind of feel like that. Like I prepped, I had the paper done, due date, and this kid next to me, which is other states or areas, just yeah. like, Wait, what? What's going on? And I uh, just didn't care. And, um, which is good. I mean, it's kind of nice when you can go out. And obviously, like, it's still pretty crazy with, you know, around here, but you just know that nobody has it. Yeah. But the good thing is that they're not letting, I kind of thought it was, I didn't really agree with the the college kids coming back, to be honest, because I was like, yeah. not that it's a huge deal, and there's no cases as of right now, but it was the idea that you're bringing a bunch of, you're bringing a couple thousand kids out of the area back into Clinton County that has zero cases. Like, why don't we just kind of weather the storm chill on and it, be yeah. chill, do our thing, you know, like kind of slowly open up more and more. Because if you bring too much here, then things shut down, then you're just hurting the population, or the population, you're hurting the economy yeah. here. So I was very big on just like let's just let's just ride this out. Like COVID, I was like, I want a month with nothing. Don't talk to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a guitar. I'm gonna do some stuff. I'm gonna like take almost like a mini vacation, which I haven't done that in years. Just like checked out, yeah. and it didn't happen because like it didn't happen. Thank God. I mean, well, not thank God, but uh, luckily the internet's around and people can contact you. So I was like. I was like, let's just check out for a couple months here. We'll just do our yeah. thing. And that didn't happen. So my COVID wasn't as uh, productive from a um, recreation standpoint as I thought it was going to be. But it's all right. We're healthy. So it could be worse. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, with the college kids, it's like for me going back to school and with with everything we can do online now, I don't understand why college can't be online 
full time. I mean, I know it's a it's a dollars and cents game is what I'm gonna guess. Mm-hmm. They need to pay for at the athletic department. They need to pay, and UNT is a huge school. We're talking fifty thousand kids. That's North Texas. Yeah, I mean it's a monster school. It's a D one school, and they play football with these big schools. Um, so, what I think, I mean, what I think doesn't matter. But I message them. They're like, well, no, you need to come back. You need to try and do your classes. You'll be reimbursed if it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but you don't get reimbursed the whole bit. You get they put in the fine print. You get reimbursed this certain dollar amount. Mm-hmm. You get it's like it's not even worth it to me. So. Head down south, help with the hurricane relief, I think, uh, while I can. Head out west. I don't know. This COVID thing is just, it's put everything up in the air for me. Luckily, luckily, I sold all my stuff before COVID hit. Yeah. And so I have no real responsibility, and, like, the bills are paid. And so it's just kind of... So, like, when you pack up this RV, literally everything you own is pretty much in that RV. Yeah, I mean, everything was that I owned, other than, like, my my important documents that I left mm-hmm. at home. Everything was in my book bag when I was in South America. That's crazy. Like, everything that I owned. The, the, if I was single, with no, no responsibility, not, not, like, responsible for any children yeah. or my wife and stuff, like, I would, like, I was joking the other day, like, I could live in my office. And I, with, I got a bathroom, I have a place, if, as long as I have, like, a little fridge and, like, a, you know... A microwave i'm pretty low-key um and i don't need a lot and like part of me is like wh- <coughs> what do i have in a day and it's not a whole lot like this is a lot of my fun stuff even at my house but the exception of like some clothes and basic like the things you have at a house yeah. there's not a lot that i actually have day to day um and i could punt a lot of stuff i mean then you look at like you know tools stuff around the house you know Things I like, if I like to play golf, like you have those things, but like real necessities that I could get by. I mean, a com- I would say a computer, a phone, AirPods. Yeah, I, I don't legitimate, know. Legitimate, man. It's like, and I started like giving my clothes away first. Yeah. And people would come over and be like, you sure you want to give this away? I'm like, and I'd be looking, I'm like, oh man. I'm like, no, I haven't worn this shirt in three months. Like yeah. just take all my stuff. And that was rules. Like if I haven't worn it in a week, I don't want it. Cause I, you, everyone wears the same, what, 10 shirts that they own and yep. the same couple pairs of pants. Like. Mm-hmm. And it really is. And so I started decluttering my life and like I sold my car, sold all my, my, my furniture. I just had one piece of, like I had a nice leather chair and I had my desk and my computer, a couple of things in my kitchen. And then like my closet, which was huge walk-in closet, like five shirts and a pair of pants. And I was like, I come in, I'm like, oh, this is clean. It's decluttered. It's super organized. It was a yeah. very head clearing activity that I did. It was very nice. I, I got to do it with clothes because same thing. I, I probably, in my dress, I was looking the other day, I'm like, why... I have conservatively guessing over a hundred t-shirts Insane. and it's like, I got a tote with a hundred t-shirts. I got a tote of just like straight plain V-neck t-shirts that are soft as hell that I wear every day. And then I have, you name it, drawers of just shirts. Like, shirts why do I have this many t-shirts when I'm the same as you? I, I will wear the same stuff. I have like eight button down shirts. I wear like three button down shirts a year when I go out to dinner, like in like the winter. Well, I had like five pairs of boots, all like basically the same shade of brown, like like slightly different. And I remember my ex-girlfriend, she's like, why do you have so many brown boots? I I like boots. It was like, and then I started thinking, I "I have no idea why I have nine pairs of 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 brown boots. You should have told me. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. Size 10 or nine and a half. But that's the thing. Like if um, like shoe wise, like the good, the best thing is when I travel, I travel pretty light, which I love. So like I'm wearing the same shoes. I'm like, why can't I just do this all the time? All the time. Because I like I need a pair of sandals and a pair of shoes, and I'm good. And that's it. And I, I like I, shoes I can wear and work out in, and then sandals, and I don't need anything else. That's 
Especially if I'm like trying to dress up, but it's like. And I was traveling South America. In Brazil, it's like the normal attire anywhere you want to go, even in dinner, can be short shorts and flip flops. It does not matter what you wear in Brazil. Like, it can be anything. But then you go to Colombia, and and if you go on the metro in flip flops, people give you weird looks because they think you're gross. And so like, oh, wow. yeah. So you have to learn these different little things. So and, how many shoes did you have? Uh, I wore shoes I had, and sandals. I had these shoes and flip flops, and that was it. Yeah. In Colombia. Everyone wears pants and shoes, and you kind of looked at weird if you're wearing less than that. They really? think it's too much skin. They think it's. Did you, did you have a, uh, pants? Yeah. So you bought one pair of pants. I bought, well, I bought these pants. I bought these shoes when I got. Oh there. really? I was living in in Argentina and Brazil was so hot. I mean, with this 40 degrees Celsius, so like 90 degrees, 95 degrees in humid. Just, just a tank top and a shorts. Dude, short shorts and flip flops everywhere I would go. Eating dinner, it'd be, yeah, I took the tank top on. Second I'm out of the restaurant, take the tank top off and be shirtless. Yeah. I didn't wear a shirt for a month. Like, there was no point. <laughs> Took four showers a day. I was going to say, go. you're just yeah, sweating. The whole time. I, I don't know if I could do it. I sweat yeah, way too much. It was it was intense. Uh, no, that that's great. I, I, uh, no, I think it's good. I think it's good what you're doing. I, I'm excited. I'm glad you're still here, but for a little bit longer, a couple more weeks, and then you're bouncing. Out. That Which is, uh, mostly you feel kind of, like, you excited to get back to it? I am. I mean, there's silver linings for everything. I'm so happy I came home and got yeah. to spend six months here. I mean, I got to spend more time with my dad than I had in a decade. Yeah. And so that was cool, playing golf with him all the time, seeing all my friends. That was awesome. But I cannot wait to leave. Like, I... Minus the cold, I just I like being on the on the road. I like the unknown. I like not having plans. I mean, I have my training. I got to train my clients on those certain days. I have the podcast that I do, but like to wake up and just be like, oh man, what am I gonna do today? Like, what am I gonna go into? And just yeah, it'll be different in the United States because you're not. I'm in the RV and not in a hostel, mm-hmm. but it'll still be an adventure. I think for the most part. Oh yeah, you still meet people. Yeah. You'll, still, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, no, I wish you the best. If if actually do before we wrap up here, do a do a plug of uh, how people can find new podcasts. Where are you gonna be? All those. Just okay, so they're interested. There's two podcasts: uh, Behind the Curtain and the Traveling Trainer. Traveling Trainer is strictly we go over training aspects, different topic each week. I have trainers who I've worked with or who I've known through other trainers. I mean, they know and I know. Um, Behind the Curtain is more of a. It's more of just for fun, but I'm talking to people from around the world, people from the United States, people who I think wouldn't make an interesting conversation. Like I have a girl coming on uh, in a couple of weeks who was, she's a nurse at the hospital with the patient zero of COVID in Washington. And so we're going to talk, we're going to talk about how she felt about this whole thing and like and all that. I think it's going to be super fun. Um, you can find everything, Spotify, Apple Music. I don't know. Getting used to it, right? <laughs> all of it. Yeah. YouTube, Syncing up all of them. All of it. YouTube, they're all on there. Uh, my Instagram, Jonah's IG, or Jonah's underscore IG. YouTube is Jonah Curtin. Um, Did you use Podbean? Buzzsprout and okay. Anchor. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Anchor's one, and then Buzzsprout's the other one that I'm using. Gotcha. Yeah, they make it so easy. Perfect. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if you want to start your own podcast, it's not it's that just, hard. You just post it. <laughs> That's it. Um. All right, we'll end there. Um, Jonah, thank you. I appreciate you coming back on. This is great. Thank it's good God. to catch up before you, you go back out. And I can't believe it's been a year, which is insane. Time moves fast. Se- September 19, September 20. So uh, it's episode 90 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N, T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.